Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. A few weeks ago, Lynn Botel won her 10th Golden Guitar Award for her album Wiser. Apart from being a phenomenal singer and songwriter, she is also the director of the Academy of Country Music and an active supporter of emerging artists. I think I to think of her as not so much an institution as a national treasure. Hello, Lynn. <laughs> what an intro. I love that. <laughs> You've said that to me before. It it makes me smile. Thank you. It's beautiful to be here. Well, it's yeah, you know, I, I have talked to quite a few emerging artists who who talk about the influence you've had on their work. And I, I interviewed Rory Phillips the other day and you're giving him voice lessons. And you know, your your influence generally throughout Australian music is a lot more profound than can be seen by the naked eye, is, is how I think of it. So there we go. Well, that's lovely to hear. And I um I do I I do cherish my role at uh, the Academy as a director and um you know, however long they'll have me, I'll, I'll be doing it. I just really enjoy it. There's so much to learn as a human being, let alone as a musician in this world. So yeah. I think the more that you put yourself in that place of learning, you know, I, I work with people like Kevin Bennett, who's in his seventies and he comes as a mentor because he feels like he learns something new every year. And it right. just gives him, he says it gives him a fizz. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we all like a bit of a fizz and should also point out that Kevin Bennett is, of course, your bandmate in Bennett, Botel and Urquhart, um, who make music together when you can fit it in because you all have things going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're here to talk about your music uh, specifically and congratulations on that golden guitar. I imagine that uh, any time an award like that is announced, it's slightly surreal. This time it was really surreal, like... I, I don't know if you saw, saw my reaction. I did. Well, when you got on stage, yes, I did. <laughs> well, I couldn't breathe. And Shane's going, just breathe, honey. Like I was going, I was having a slight panic attack because right. I was not prepared in terms of I had a list of people I wanted to thank if it happened. But I was prepared to be sitting down for that one. There was just no way in my mind I, I expected that. So I was extremely overwhelmed and really grateful and proud of what we did and all of those things. But, yeah, it still kind of takes my breath away when I think about it. <laughs> but also I imagine, you know, there's all these people around, there's colour and movement and lights and all sorts of things. So even if you were prepared, it would still be a bit discombobulating. So I think that's fair. Well, thanks. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a strange thing, the awards. You kind of sit there going, you know, when you're nominated, you sit there going, now just try not to think about everything. Try and think about anything else but what you're nominated for. And all you can think about is like, don't think about white elephants. And so you just sit there going <laughs> the whole time. But this time I was just like, you know, Kaylee Bell's record, Adam Brand's record, Casey Barnes's record, Amber Lawrence's record. That's who I was up against. So I was just like, well, this will be fun. I was sit back and chill. <laughs> Honestly, and it just, um, it is it is discombobulating because people don't, I don't think people understand <laughs> if, they've, if they're not in the industry, how much it means. Because I was a little girl in a caravan park in Tamworth, right? 
in uh, City Lights, I think it was. Oh, yeah. And Troy Casadale was staying there. And we just, everyone loved him. And he came in in his car and he drove down just after he won New Talent the morning after. Right. And everyone's cheering. It was like a fanfare. And I'll never forget him handing Duncan Toombs and I his golden guitar to, to feel the weight of it. Right. And I was just like, wow. You know, and that little girl, she's she's still very much there. She's the same little girl who saw Becky Cole win Star Maker and went, oh, I'd like to do that. Yeah, right. You know, chicks can play guitar. That's pretty cool. So it's it's that side of you that never lets go of music. I think right. that's why musicians are such um, silly folk because <laughs> we've got a, a direct line to our inner child. <laughs> well, you mentioned chicks playing guitar. You play a lot of instruments. In fact, I'd love to know how many instruments you can play. No, no, it's... It, it, well, playing well is is the oh. important thing, and I play guitar well and I sing well, but I play around with a lot of instruments, um, piano and bass and and ukulele, and I used to play violin, but you know, <laughs> but no, <laughs> it's, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't scare you with that. But um, I just I enjoy uh, songwriting on different sound with different sounds, so. Right. Um, I'm back into songwriting mode at the moment and I've got a real thing about playing the piano. I'm looking at my piano over there and just really getting back into it enough, but um, not too much because when I know an instrument too well, mm -hmm. I seem to play chords that I expect to play, if you know what right. I mean, or melodies. Yeah. So there's something nice about being creative and not really knowing what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And that's my excuse for not being good enough at piano, even though mum got me lessons when I was young. <laughs> but you did say you like to play around on different instruments when you're writing songs. Is that because a different instrument might bring out a different story within the song that you're trying to write? Yeah, and I also think you just get kind of stuck in what you know and in your own shapes, which is why I love co-writing. I like taking an idea to a co-writer and then hands up and going what would you do with that so that I don't necessarily wield it the same way that I would wield it normally and then other times songs just you know they appear out of nowhere it's weird and write themselves and you think oh that's really great I wish I could do that all the time <laughs> but they don't always come like that <laughs> yeah well it probably also depends on so many other factors like you know how full your head is of other responsibilities and planning and things like that yeah yeah, that is very true. I um, yeah, I kind of have these hats that I wear for different things and compartmentalize a lot of things. Um, and I, I I think that you kind of have to if you're an independent country music singer or artist or musician in Australia, you have to wear a few different hats. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, to be able to take care of business as well as the pleasure of music. You mm. know? Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago Shane, and that is Shane Nicholson who produced Wiser, and he also produced your last album, Heart of Sorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So what is so good about this Shane person? <laughs> what is so good about this Shane? <laughs> oh, look, and we also did an EP together in 2017, actually. I have that EP as an actual EP. Oh, you have the real thing. Yeah. Um, the hard copy. Yeah. Uh, look, I really enjoy making music with Shane. There's... He is he is a multi-instrumentalist. He's the real deal um, when it comes to being able to play so many different instruments that he is a master of, not just, you know, 
mucking around with. And I also, I think he has a way of um, creating a, a soundscape that I really enjoy. He, he kind of thinks about a song beyond the bones of it or you know the deeper meaning as well he feels about it in thinks about it in terms of the listener staying on board for the ride mm -hmm. and how do i how do i create this soundscape that for three minutes is going to encapsulate the feelings of this song and he is quite a master at that mm. Mm. also noticed on his the albums he produces that he's great at identifying the particular strength of the artist and making sure that that is the focus and of course in your case it is your extraordinary voice and so you're recorded lovely and cleanly shall we say so that your your voice really shines out not that your guitar playing is is not great too but <laughs> I, I, I imagine Shane thinks I've got a live one here this amazing voice that I get to work with oh look that's very kind of you <laughs> but he is good at creating something around an artist that doesn't sound like him if that makes sense yes. yeah absolutely yeah I tend to notice his recordings more in the more in the fact that I go, oh, that's really good. Who's that? And then I realise he's produced it. Yeah. And I think that's pretty that's pretty rare that um, you find a producer who doesn't stamp everything the same way. I mean, it must be hard not to, but yeah, particularly good at that. And he does sing with you on the title track. Um, and one might be tempted to say that he muscled his way onto it, except I did see you um, in a performance recently where you said that, this, that you were both separately thinking that you'd like him to sing on it and got to the point where you almost didn't say it to each other <laughs> it was like that stupid you know 16 year old like do you want to go out with me just say yes or no or maybe and meet me at the car park and we'll talk about it but uh it was really weird like uh we were I always knew it had to be a duet I wanted to stay away from the Bennett Botel and Urquhart side of things I even considered doing it with Lukey O'Shea but I, I wanted to do something different on this record because I'd just done a bunch of duets with Luke mm -hmm. so I was like I want to do something different this time and we kind of tried on all these ideas and nothing was oh it was like oh and in the back of my mind I'm going I'd really like to ask him but I don't want him to feel obligated mm -hmm. and I don't want it to be awkward then for the rest of this time when he's like oh this shit never asked me <laughs> <laughs> and he was the same so in right. the end I just texted him one I don't know what time it was at night we were texting back and forth and yeah and I was like hey look just putting it out there it's been in the back of my mind he goes oh I've been in the back of my mind too about three weeks ago we wish we'd oh, had no. a discussion so anyway things happen like that and uh it was really wonderful what he did on Wiser and we're still yet to sing it live together. Oh, wow. We were this close at Tamworth that he ended up getting getting home early to be with um, his baby and with him. So, you know, that's okay, I guess. Gee, priorities, Shane. Oh, I think yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. Who are they? Speaking of priorities, uh, when I interviewed Luca Shane not that long ago, I did ask him whether you were going to be on his new album because you you you'd done three songs on here in the there in the Oka and to my great shock and surprise he said no no lean on the new album yeah that's right it was a direct reaction to me not no I'm kidding <laughs> uh no he wanted to do something different too and I think that's the important thing about being creative is trying on new things and going with that joy that you're looking for i mean we're going on tour in may and that's, that's going to be wonderful yeah. uh that's gonna be great but i just think you know by no means is there expectation that every album of mine or luke's will have a duet with us i, mm -hmm. I just think that would 
put you into a corner and you couldn't explore things the way that you might explore them otherwise. I did see you and Luke uh, the last time you went on tour. I also saw you perform quite recently in Camden where you were a, a stunt artist basically because oh, yeah. Amber Lawrence was stiff. But I have to say for anyone who has not seen you and Luke do a show together, it it is, as Becky Cole might say, a rootin' tootin' boot scootin' good time. <laughs> <So> <laughs> everyone should get along to it because the two of you are very funny together, like funny as in your onstage patter as well as great performance. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's why we call the tours Love and Laughter because that's what they're full of and um, we are complete idiots. And so, uh, you know, we take ourselves very seriously as well when it comes to the music and things, but I think life is too short, you know, and I think that we just all want to have a good time when we come and see a show and hopefully, you know, we instill enough of that kind of light, uh, frivolity as well as the deep and meaningful in the music that people go away and they might feel a bit you know fulfilled from that is what we hope anyway <laughs> it's a great evening um but back to wiser it was released eight years after heart of sorrow and uh but there was only a couple of years between heart of sorrow and your first album so i'm guessing a little thing called the pandemic might have gotten the way of you releasing new music earlier yes the pandemic actually ended up being a gift for me because it meant I could do this record because before that I'd done in between all those um two Bennett Botel and Urquhart oh, records what am I saying of course yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah so I was kind of I, and and I did all those duets with Luke and I kind of got swept away because I love harmony and I love group work and I, I love all that stuff it's it's really wonderful it's an amazing thing to experience um singing with other people in harmony in a in a controlled environment uh, but uh, I, there's just something really wonderful about it and I got kind of caught up in that for a little while and that's where I won't do that again came from because I was writing with KB I love writing with KB because he is one of those people who can really compartmentalize and he's like okay writing for Linny now right writing for this now writing for that now you know he's really good like that and um and that idea was about me putting myself just basically getting my hand behind my own back and pushing myself out the front right. and going, come on, you know, you stop waiting. You've got to make it happen. Right. So I was waiting for a lightning strike. You know, that's not going to happen. You've got to push yourself out there and do it yourself. So that's kind of where all that came from. And the pandemic was a beautiful time to, it was a horrible time. Don't get me wrong. I felt sick to my stomach, most of it, but um, there was also that, that release from everyday right. life and everyday stress and didn't have to wear a bra let's face it <laughs> things like that and you just kind of got to the point where you were like oh maybe I should just write a song I mean would that be a good way to spend some time yes Lynn it would <laughs> and so I I reached out to some mates I did some zoom co-writing I never thought I would do that because I tried it years earlier and hated it it's amazing how invention you know mother of all <laughs> things uh necessity I was just like, wow, this is going to work. And then we had some little snippets of time where we could actually, you know, get away and, and leave. So I spent some time with, with KB, which is just wonderful. And um, it was just really good that I had that, that six, probably about six months where I really wrote a lot of stuff. And then, 
Yeah, the pandemic was a bit of a bugger when it came to recording things because then the LGA stuff happened and so I'd have a time slot in and uh, we can't do that, no worries. So we had to kind of just go with the flow a little bit. But um, in a lot of ways, I, I just think the whole record worked better for it because um, I had time to sit back and think about stuff. It wasn't a kind of heated decision like, oh yes, we'll do that. It sounds amazing. Because sometimes you think everything sounds amazing when you first hear it and then you right. need a little time to kind of spend away from it. And I think, um, cause when, you, when you're putting a whole album together, there's a lot to consider mm. from the drum track to, you know, the feel, the bass parts right up, you know, you get to the end of it and you're thinking about what BVs you're doing yep. and you think, oh gosh, I don't know if I can, you know, make any more decisions. And, you know, sometimes you're like, I'm out of here. Let's leave that to someone <laughs> else. And for me, it's really important. I'm part of the whole process. I really right. enjoy that. So um, it, it was good. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> well, and every song on this album is uh, is its own little story too. So it's not as if you were just saying, oh, I'm just going to tell this one theme, like beginning, middle and end arc. So to construct the worlds within the stories, I think we also have taken quite a bit of time and attention. Thank you. Um, yeah, I feel like each of these songs, uh, it. I mean, everyone, every artist says, oh, this is my best work. But I really do feel this is some of my best writing, my best everything. You know, I, I just feel very strongly about the songs. Um, and yes, the general overarching theme is is wiser and, and kind of learning from one's mistakes. And I think that comes through, a, you know, all those songs. There's songs on there that were like, felt like they were five minutes old, you know, right. when we recorded them. And there's songs on there like Looking for Nobody, mm -hmm. um, which had been, you know, around the trap since I, I think 2019 or 18. And then um, also, uh, yeah, Fool's Game, I wrote in 2005. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it had been hanging around in the ether going, hey, you know, and I just, I wrote that for the girl band I was in, Bella. Okay. And at the time, and one of the other girls was singing it, even though I wrote it, and that was my job. I was like the writer in the band. And so it had this kind of ownership, even though I really wanted to record it. And I don't know, the COVID thing happened. I went, you know what, I've, I've wanted to record this for years. My mother has been harping on about it for years. I'm going to do it. And that was, you know, and it's such a, to me, that's an important song on the record because it's that whole love angle that yeah. sometimes love is not easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which you also explored to great effect on Heart of Sorrow and the album before that, whose name is currently eluding me, but that's um, my problem. Oh, Secret <laughs> Songs? Secret Songs? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the tracks, just sometimes. Oh, you're lovely. <laughs> um, now, I think your songs do celebrate the joy and fallibility of life, sort of sometimes both in one song, and I'm wondering if that's uh, developed out of an interest in documenting what you see around you as much as it's about documenting your own experiences. Yeah, I, I would say um, I, I usually sing from the first person, but often it's someone else's story. Right. And, um, yeah, there is a lot of that. Like one of the songs on Heart of Sorrow, you know, it got very confusing for people. They thought I'd be an alcoholic, you know, because it was, I was like, no, no, I'm just thinking about an alcoholic. I was married to, but anyway, oh, um, you know, and so um, it's it's an interesting thing, you know, um, when you become the muse for, 
I don't know, you take on someone else's thoughts and ideas. You can't possibly do that really. Mm -hmm. But I think that um, trying to tell it in first person to me is the best way. But most of it's about what I've experienced firsthand. I also wonder if your voice is is part of the reason why you do write complex songs and by complex I mean like lots of different story elements and emotions and things because with a voice like yours there's just no way it was going to be one note ever you know one tonal note there's a lot to explore so I wonder I guess it's a chicken and egg question what came first the voice or the stories that you were going to tell with your voice melody and voice came first when I was a young girl um before I ever played an instrument I was writing songs. I didn't know I was writing songs. I didn't know I was writing melodies. And I would just be singing something and mum would be like, what are you singing, hun? I'm like, I don't know. It just, it just came to me. I just made it up. And then when I got to school, I was always in trouble <laughs> because I'd be humming and, and singing something when we were meant to be reading quietly. And I didn't even know I was doing it. Right. So it was like once I picked up a guitar, I had the the... I guess I could funnel all of it into something. Mm-hmm. So um, the guitar was the death of my fiddle playing. Oh. <laughs> I was quite good on fiddle and much to Sister Peg's dismay. Um, my sister-in-law gave me a guitar and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, and then I could write songs and that was that was it. Yeah. But, yeah, as, as you describe yourself as a child humming in class and uh, the world's not really built for children who live in music. You know what I mean? Or live in arts or creativity for that matter, because it's it's a different way of exploring every day. Absolutely. And I was that kid. I was that, you know, annoying kid that that made a song out of everything. And I, I remember I went and saw Dolly Parton live. That was my first show, real, real big show that mum took me to. And I I bought the concert book and that was my show and tell right and I just annoyed everyone I went through every single song and sang them part of the song I'm like and this is the part Kenny does I'm like I'm like please shut up and at the end of it yeah at the end of it the uh, the teacher was like thank you Lynette and and we don't have time for the entire concert darling you know but I, I just I didn't realize but I was always going to be a singer I was always going to be an artist it just was it wasn't a choice it just is yeah. yeah. Well, as mentioned at the top, the national treasure. So it's to all of our benefit that you that it was just that that you that you're always going to be a singer. Um, now you are doing some touring, not just with Luke O'Shea in a few months' time, but you have some dates coming up. Uh, and you had, uh, I think, some disruption last year with some tour dates. So are these dates that you were planning to do last year? They are, which is really wonderful. I'm very, very excited. Um, yeah, I had I was a little bit unwell in the middle of the year last year. Just. Um, endometriosis rearing her ugly head again so um yeah we're okay we're sorting all that out and you know I live and learn I live and learn yeah and it's you know and it is it is also great to be frank about the cause of that because a lot of people uh, up until very recently would never have said that's what it was um but it is debilitating yeah absolutely and and that's what leave it to Jesus is about on the album um, it's not a, a literal song. So, you know, endometriosis is a bit bit of a bugger to sing. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I just can write that in there, mate. <laughs> but I, I, as a woman going through this and, and then you talk to your community of other women and you find out 
all these stories because one in nine women have it right mm. and and it takes seven years to get diagnosed mm. it's just insane and then when you even know you have it you even know you've got proof and you go and say this is what it is they go well let well yeah. and you're like no I know what this is and well do you just and then they you know they're kind of it's it's quite a patronizing process it's incredibly painful so it's very frustrating and everybody tells you you know don't don't worry you'll be right you know and it'll be fine and it just it gets to the point where women get pretty fed up and I think that's where I was when I was writing that and Again, I took that to KB. You know, he is awesome. He's so awesome at opening up to different ideas. And he knows what I've been through. When we were in BBU in Bennett Botel and Urquhart, we had a gig at Tamworth and oh, it was just terrible. I was in hospital leading up. Uh, I got out of hospital for the gig, did the gig, went straight back into hospital. Um, it was just crazy. and. So he's seen me go through all this stuff. So he was a great person to write with. And he also kept me getting, I didn't want to be whiny mm -hmm. in this song. I wanted it to have the anger element and the frustration, but not go too far. And I, and I, ha I had all these ideas, but I just knew that if I wrote, wrote it all by my own self, mm -hmm. <laughs> that I would end up kind of stuck in a bit of a loop and it wouldn't necessarily work as a song. Yeah. So um, taking it to him was the right move, yeah. Well, it's they're all great songs on this album. It's all killer, no filler, as the saying goes. <laughs> and um, you'll be taking those songs on the road, doing other things this year. You obviously have a very busy schedule um, in your life and a, a very well-organised calendar is all I can think to keep track of it all. <laughs> <laughs> many different colours for many different right. Um Well, it could be instructive for the rest of us to look at that and help to organise our own lives. But, Lynn, it's been such a treat to talk to you. Uh, the album is Wiser. It's a golden guitar winner. You're a multiple golden guitar winner and people can come and see you on the road. So have a great time, I hope. I will. And um, you know that you've got an invite anytime you want to come to the Academy. Oh, <laughs> anytime. And anytime you want to come to my gigs. But the Academy, we've we've got it happening again in July, the Junior Academy, and, and applications are open now. So, you know, if you want to come along and have a chat to the parents about interview techniques and things like that to the students, we would love to have you. Just oh, thank you. <laughs> question <laughs> without notice. <laughs> thank you very much. That is a question without notice. All right. Well, I will certainly look at my diary. See what happens. <laughs> it would be great. And thank you so much for the interview and for being such a great support. It's it's my absolute pleasure. When there's music like yours in the world, the world is pretty good. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Sophie. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.